20th anniversary. That's like such a, uh, a momentous occasion. And the, the weightiness of the responsibility of bringing the word of the Lord to you at this moment, it's, it's different than just a retreat. And my wife and I have been talking a lot and praying a lot about what is the Lord saying and, and, and what is it that the Lord would have us to, to, to bring to you this weekend? And my wife asked me this morning, she said, what are you sensing in the atmosphere over Solomon's porch? And I had to stop and think about it for a second. And I said, I sense that this is not primarily a celebration or a commemoration, but a transition. A transition from one stage of ministry to another stage of ministry. A promotion, if you will. And that you're getting ready to embark upon a new leg of your journey that will be greater than the first. This is what we started talking about on Friday night with dreams and visions, the the transition from visions to dreams. And uh, I want to continue to talk about David this morning. As we began to talk about David last night, David was a guy who experienced more opposition than perhaps anyone in the Bible. From the time he was a teenager, things started trying to kill him, like lions and bears. He was constantly at war. His life was constantly in danger. He was constantly being attacked. But David's primary strength was the way in which he thought about his life. And his experience. You see, David could have thought, man, I'm constantly being attacked. I'm so sick and tired of this life of like, am I just a huge target? Like, is that what God made me to be? Just He just put a bullseye right here on my chest. And everywhere I walk, people are throwing spears at me and shooting arrows at me and sending lions and bears after me. And everywhere I go, I'm a target. I'm tired of, of people be, you know, doing target practice on me. But that's not the way he thought about his life. Yeah. Psalm chapter 41, verse 11, is the way David thought about his life. And listen to this out of the New King James Version. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemies do not triumph over me. You hear what David says? He looks at all of the attacks against his life and here's his interpretation. Wow, God is so pleased with me. (laughs) That's what it means that I'm attacked all the time. God, I know that you are well pleased with... I mean, because if you weren't pleased with me, one of those spears would have hit me. If you, were, if you weren't well pleased with me, one of those lions would have devoured me. If you weren't well pleased with me, yeah. I would have lost one of those battles. But he looks back at his life of constant attack and goes, man, you must be so pleased with me, God. Yeah. Like, what a crazy way of thinking. You know, David looks back on his life and he goes, when I was a little boy, a lion came at me, but the lion couldn't kill me because God is pleased with me. 
And a bear came at me, but the bear couldn't kill me because God was pleased with me. And Goliath came at me, but Goliath couldn't kill me because God was pleased with me. And then the Philistines came at me, but the Philistines couldn't kill me because God was pleased with me. And then Saul came at me, but Saul couldn't kill me because God was pleased. Come on, somebody. That's the definition of my life. Like one of the things that God wants to do for you is to reinterpret your trouble, your past tribulation, your past trials, your past attacks. God wants to give you a new lens for viewing the trials and the tribulations that you've walked through, a lens of divine favor that you can look back on everything that you've gone through and say, God is so pleased with me because my enemies do not triumph over me. But in 1 Samuel chapter 30, which is our text for today, we began to talk about this last night. David has a different experience. In 1 Samuel chapter 29, he and his men want to fight with Achish and the Philistines on the battlefield against the people of God, against the, the people of Israel. And we don't actually know David's motive. We don't actually know if he was really going to fight with the Philistines against the Israelites or if he was going to attack the Philistines from the rear and try to reunite with the Israelites. All we know is that he was rejected and never given the chance, which indicates to me that it was a bad idea that God protected him from. Because sometimes rejection is God's way of protecting you from a mistake. It's God's way of stopping you from doing something that would be irreparable. Sometimes rejection is the best possible thing that could happen to you. And so Achish sends him and his men home and they take this three-day journey back to Ziklag with their tails between their legs. They're dejected, they're discouraged, and they're not used to being dejected and discouraged and they get to Ziklag as we talked about last night and the whole city is burned with fire and their wives and their children have all been carried away this is the first time in his life that David tastes defeat this is the exception to Psalm 4111 This seems like the contradiction, the nullification of the confidence that the favor of God rests upon me. And as we talked about last night, they lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. And when the weeping subsided, David started to hear the grumbling. And he was greatly distressed because the men were speaking of stoning him. So David, the scripture says, encouraged himself in the Lord. This is an incredibly powerful skill to have. And most believers don't have it. Most of us, when we get discouraged, we simply walk around waiting for someone to encourage us. And then when someone does try to encourage us, we reject it and give them all the reasons why I, I still shouldn't be encouraged. You know what I'm talking about? 
You ever tried to encourage someone who simply refused? Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yeah. <laughs> right, because I've never had a trial before. I, you're right. I don't understand what you're going through. But David realizes in this moment that nobody's coming to encourage me. David realizes in this moment that nobody's coming to give me a word. And all of us have moments where we realize that no one is coming to the rescue. That if I don't encourage myself, I will not be encouraged. Most of us, when we hit the place where we realize we have no one, now we have a pity party. Nobody cares about me. Like the man by the pool of Bethesda. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And the man responds, I have nobody. I have nobody. Everybody else has somebody to help them into the pool, but I have nobody. When Jesus is standing before you, offering you wholeness, it's not the time to have a pity party about what you don't have. I've got no support. And nobody cares. There's nobody, nobody's called me. And I wasn't at church for three months and nobody called me. Well, did you call somebody? This church doesn't care about me. I could disappear and nobody would care. Have you reached out to anyone? Like people are supposed to magically know that you want to be reached out to? My favorite one is, Pastor, you walked right by me and didn't say hi to me. (laughs) Well, did you say hi to me? No. So then why is it my responsibility to do all the hi saying, I didn't even see you? (laughs) I had a family leave the church one time. And I didn't know why. And I found out years later, you know why they left the church? Because I never took them to play golf. For real? For real? Just ask. I would have taken you. (laughs) David realizes nobody's coming to my rescue. And this does not push him into a deeper pity party. Because he does not delegate to others the responsibility for the stewardship of his own soul. He does not see, and the biggest one is accountability, right? Nobody's holding me accountable, which is another way of delegating responsibility for your own soul to someone else. Listen, there's something that everyone needs to get. Every believer needs to get. You are responsible for your own soul. If you need accountability, it's your responsibility to get it. If you need encouragement, it's your responsibility to get it. If you need connection, it's your responsibility to get it. If you need fellowship, it's your responsibility to get it. There's too many lazy Christians sitting around waiting for somebody else to do for them what you're supposed to do for yourself. And so David says, nobody's coming to encourage me, but that's all right. I'm about to encourage me. Nobody's coming to lay hands on me. That's all right. I'll lay hands on my own self. Nobody's speaking in tongues over me. I got a shot tie for myself. I'm going to retie my own bow tie. (laughs) I'm going to anoint myself with oil. Slay myself in the spirit. 
<laughs> prophesy in my own ear. <laughs> Look in the mirror and go, while we were worshiping, <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> he knew how to find, but it says he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Meaning that he recognized that his encouragement was not coming from out there. It was coming from up there. That familiar passage of scripture, I lift my eyes up to the hills from whence cometh my help is one of the most misquoted verses in the entire Bible. Because people quote it like this. I lift up mine eyes to unto the hills from whence cometh my help as if my help is coming from the hills. This is how it should be quoted. I lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. Meaning it ain't coming from the hills. My help cometh from the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth. And the first key to spiritual maturity is to lift your eyes above the hills. And stop looking for help from the hills. Your help comes from the Lord. David encourages himself in the Lord, his God. And then he calls the priest and says, bring the ephod. Now it's time to inquire of the Lord. He goes from receiving encouragement from the Lord to inquiring of the Lord. Encouragement to inquiry. The first step is encouragement. And notice the distinction between encouragement and inquiry. You do not get your encouragement from the inquiry. What we tend to do is seek encouragement from inquiry because I'm hoping to get a positive response to the inquiry and then I'll be encouraged. God, are you going to bless me with a better job? And if he says yes, I'll be encouraged. If he says no, I'll remain in my discouragement. David says, I'm not going to mix my encouragement with my inquiry. I'm going to be encouraged in the Lord because the Lord is in me. And then I'm going to inquire. And that way, my encouragement is not dependent upon his yes or his no. God could say no, and I'm still encouraged in him. But listen to the question David asks. Shall I pursue them? Will I overtake them? They've just experienced the worst loss of their entire lives. And the question David asks is, is it even worth going after? Is it even worth believing for recovery? Shall I pursue them? Will I overtake them? Should I even expend the effort to reach for recovery and restoration of what was lost? We cried about it. We had our time of mourning for it. We mourned for it. We cried about it. But now that we finish mourning, the question is, is there recovery or is this something that we just accept? And by the way, the answer is not always pursue. Sometimes the Lord says, this is it. Remember David and Bathsheba, their first child? God said, that baby's going to die. And David fasted for 10 days before the Lord, and the child still died. There are some times where God says, there's this, don't don't even go after it. David says, is this one of those moments, Lord? Is this one of those moments where we simply have to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord? 
Is this simply one of those moments where we simply accept comfort from you? That you're with us in our loss? Or is this a Lazarus moment? And God says, pursue them. You shall overtake them. Translation, David, this is a Lazarus moment. I've wept with Mary, but now I'm calling him out of the tomb. I wept with Mary, but now I'm bringing about a a resurrection. I'm bringing something back from the dead. I'm causing a recovery to come. And I want to say to you, Solomon's porch, by the word of the Lord, that what you've just went through is actually a Lazarus moment. You have experienced loss. You've experienced brokenness. But this is not a Job moment. This is a Lazarus moment. This is not all the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. This is a Lazarus moment where God is saying, out of the ashes of the brokenness, that you've just experienced, God says, I'm bringing recovery and I'm bringing new life and your latter shall be greater than your past. Pursue them, you shall overtake them and you shall recover all. Pursue them, you shall overtake them and you shall recover all. Now, David is able to speak that to all the people that were talking about stoning him. Because remember, when the power to weep lifts, you're either going to do something wonderful or you're going to do something terrible. The most important thing that you must do on the other side of grief or as grief begins to lift is find something wonderful to do. Find something wonderful to set your affection on. David rallies his troop. Says, mount up. It was a cold, dark night. I'm just kidding. Um, No, Warren G. (laughs) A clear black night, a clear white moon. Okay, anyway, um. Nobody got that. That's all right. They start out in search of recovery. They have no idea which way the Amalekites went, except maybe they see, you know, some... Okay, they obviously went that way. But how far? How long have they been gone? Did they turn right or left somewhere? Did they cross a river and disappear? How will we find them? They have no idea. All they know is God said, pursue them. You shall overtake them and you shall recover all. Now we're walking by faith and not by sight. We're pursuing something that we don't know how to obtain. We're reaching for something that we do not, we don't know the way. It's like Abraham. God's saying, get up out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you. Well, where's the place, Lord? I'll show you. How will I know when I'm there? I'll show you. Now you're walking by faith and not by sight. There are times in which God sends you on a journey without giving you the answers, without telling you where you're going, why you're going, how you're going to get there, and it feels like poor planning. No, we need to sit down and create a five-year, a 10-year, 15, 20-year plan and a strategic plan. And, and, you know, we need to check off the dots. And God says, no, 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 no. In this season, you're going to walk by faith. You're not going to be able to extrapolate your way towards the victory that I'm leading you towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You're going to walk by faith. You're going to trust. And they set off out, out after the, the enemy. But then they come to this area called the Besser Brook. It's this little brook, little river. And they get to the Besser Brook. And about 400 of David's men, they're like, hold on a second, David. <sighs> they're winded. It's like I am every time I walk anywhere with my wife. For my wife, we walk full speed for no reason at all. Everywhere. Let's go to the mall. Okay, we get to the mall. I'm like, hope, oh, oh, for God's sake, why? Four hundred of David's men couldn't go any further when they got to the Besser Brook. They were too tired. Couldn't serve in ministry right now. 400 of them were like, we would love to go into this battle with you, but we can't. We're too tired. And David says, no problem. Y'all just kick it here at the brook and just watch the equipment. He leaves the equipment with them. He's like, you guys just hang out here at the brook. And rest. Every church needs a Besser Brook. A place for people who are just tired right now. The problem is in most churches, people get tired and they just leave. (laughs) I need a break from ministry. And typically a break from ministry means don't ever call me again. (laughs) See ya, Maria. See ya and wouldn't want to be ya. I'm out. Peace. But David says, no, 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 stay right here at the brook, drink from the brook, watch the gear. It's okay. God knew you were going to be tired. God knew you were going to need a break. Just don't disappear. Don't run off on me. Don't feel like you failed. Don't feel like you've got to leave the church. Don't feel like you're a disappointment because you can't serve right now. Take the time to sit by the brook and rest. You're just as valuable during your time of rest as you are during your time of war. And David leaves 400 of his men at the brook and goes off in search of the Amalekites. I'm going to read this passage here because this is the heart of where I'm going. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 11 and 12. Then they found an Egyptian in the field. And brought him to David. And they gave him bread. And he ate. And they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs. And two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten. His strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread. Nor drunk water. For three days. And three nights. Now. Imagine this, that David and his men have limited rations. They don't know how far they're going to have to travel. They don't know how far away the Amalekites are. They're on a mission right now. But they find this little sickly boy in the field. And one of his men has the wherewithal to pick him up and bring him to David. And David has the wherewithal to say, 
We need to feed this child. And it's interesting that detail. They gave him bread to eat. And then they gave him water to drink. And then they gave him a cluster of figs, a piece of a cluster of figs, and a cake of raisins. They gave him bread, water, and fruit. They gave him his carbohydrates, his electrolytes, and his glucose. And his blood sugar comes back to normal. And he's strengthened. And David says, who do you belong to? And he said, I'm an Egyptian. I was the slave of an, of an Amalekite. We just got done raiding the Negev. We burned down this city called Ziklag. But my master left me in the field three days ago because I was sick. Three days ago. Three days We burned down Ziklag three days ago. Three days ago, David and his men were with Achish, getting rejected. Sounds to me like they were rejected just in the nick of time. Had Achish said, just stay here one more night and then go home, the Egyptian would have died. Three days. How long can you live without water? Three days. Especially a sick, a sick kid with no food and no water. Three days is like they caught him just at the edge of his life. And they found that this little sick boy that they fed and gave water to had the answers that they needed to make it to their destination. Had all the information. He knew where they needed to go and he knew the way and he knew how to get there. All they had to do was give him bread and water. Here's how we think as organizations, you know, who has the answer? We're going to hire a consultant. We're going to bring in a consultant and don't get me wrong. I'm not against consultants, but there was no consultant in the world that could have given David the answer that he needed. But a little starving boy in a field had the answer. And David says, do you know where they are? He goes, yeah, I know exactly where they are. And he goes, can you lead us to them? He goes, as long as you swear not to give me back to them. (laughs) David says, cool. He goes, all right, let's go. And he takes them right down to the camp of the Amalekites. And the Amalekites have their guard down. They're spread out across the valley and they're eating and drinking and dancing. They got the strobe light going. Cool and the gang is up there playing. They're dancing like it's 1999. They're having a party. And David and his men strike just to start killing them. And it says they killed all of them. No one of it, none of them escaped, escaped except 400 men who rode off on donkeys. Donkeys, I'm not, not donkeys, camels. They rode off on camels. Camels don't seem to me to be very fast. <laughs> I'm not sure how they escaped on camels. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I think David and his men just let them go. It's like just, <laughs> we're tired of killing people. 
Interesting thing is he left 400 men at the Besser Brook. Oh, 200 at the Besser Brook. Maybe they could have killed those 400 who got away. But anyway, the key to the whole story was the Egyptian in the field. This is the word that I just felt burning in my heart for you this morning. The next stage of your journey, all of the answers are in the Egyptians in the field. That God's got Egyptians, little Egyptian boys spread out through the field. And when you find them, all you got to do is feed them. And they'll tell you everything you need to know. This is the point. Mercy ministry. All of the answers for your next leg of the journey are going to be found in your mercy ministries. Pastor Sam, you were telling us all about the, the, the um, uh, not only adoption, but um, foster care ministry that you guys are doing. And you're doing this raffle for missions. It's like all of your missional work, all of the mercy ministries. You know what often happens? And this is not just at a corporate level, but at an individual level. God always has an Egyptian in the field waiting for you with the answers. But most of us just step right over them and keep going. And the whole way we're crying out to God. You know, I had a, um, I run a crypto trading group. That's not a joke. (laughs) But I was overwhelmed because... You know, my group was looking to me for all the answers and, you know, nobody has all the answers. And I was crying out to God. I said, I felt like I needed help. And there's a member of my group that the Lord just put on my heart. And, um, I reached out to him. I was like, Hey man, how you doing, bro? Uh, I was just wondering maybe if you and I could zoom sometime, I just want to check in on you and see how you're doing. And it was like, Oh man, cryptogenic. They call me cryptogenic. They don't know me by my name cryptogenic I would love to so I was like great so we jump on a zoom I'm like how's your wife doing oh man my wife is cool man oh great how's your family oh great how's your business doing oh great how's your trading going it's yeah it's it's all right so we start talking I just wanted to just like encourage him that's all just show him I'm thinking about you you're on my heart and he goes I gotta show you something and he had a piece of technology that I didn't even know existed that made my job exponentially easier. Like all of the technical analysis that I was doing, he had a piece of software that did it all automatically. And he's like, I want to give this to you. And I'm like, what? I thought I was going to minister to him. He ended up ministering to me. I thought, I'm just going to care for this guy. He ended up caring for me. And this is the word of the Lord to you, that as you find the little Egyptian in the field and feed him, he's going to feed you back. As you find the Egyptian in the field and care for him, he's going to care for you. And the key to the whole story is that the moment they were rejected, God was setting them up for a divine appointment with a little Egyptian boy in a field who had all the answers. And David was able to look back on the story that looked like defeat, looked like an end to his string of victories, 
looked like a contradiction to the favor that he always walked in on his life, looked like a different narrative of defeat was now beginning in his life, but he was able to look back on it at the end of the day and say, wow, Psalm 4111 is still in effect on my life. Now I know that you are well pleased with me. By this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemies, they do not triumph over me. But David never thought that the key to his victory would be a starving Egyptian boy in the field. That all he had to do was feed him. That's all he's got to do. Personal application of this is easy. Be on the lookout whenever you don't know where to go. Whenever you're in a pivotal place where you need a direction from God, I need to know which way to go, look for an Egyptian in the field. Let God lay someone on your heart to care for. Let God lay someone on your heart to reach out to. Look for the Egyptian in the field. He's got the answer. But the corporate application, I believe, is God's already given you the key to your destiny. And it's going to come through the mercy ministries that he's already given you. There's Egyptians in the field that have the answers to every question that you would ask of God. And at the end of the day, after every battle, you'll look back and say the same thing again. Wow, God must really be pleased with us. The things that you all have weathered as a congregation would have destroyed most churches. But you're still here. You know why? Because God is well pleased with you. I'm going to invite my wife to come. Amen. Somebody just, just come to the keyboard. All right, if you just all rise with me, let's just lean in just for a few minutes. Can we do that? I know we have to get ready for this second service, but just just, just a couple of minutes as uh, worship team plays. Just lean in. God wants to redefine your past experiences. God wants to give you a new lenses to look back What you thought was a curse. What you thought was unnecessary suffering. I just feel like the Lord wants to give you a new lens to look back and see. It was the favor of God. It was a necessary suffering in which way God was going to release a greater healing, a greater destiny in your life in this church. So Father, we thank you for the word. God, so many of us have been hurting deep inside because of the past rejection because of the pain that we have experienced and you have given us opportunity to grieve bring to you our pain but this morning God you are giving each one of us a new lens to look back and see God you have surrounded me with favor that rejection that pain that struggle was exactly it was timed by you for such a time as this 
And I just hear the Lord just releasing his word. Esther's arise. Esther's arise. What you thought was a personal pain. Personal rejection. I just hear the Lord saying, Esther's arise for such a time as this. There's many Egyptians in the field that God is calling you to rescue, heal, save, deliver. So Spirit of God, this morning we lean towards your presence. We pause and we anchor our souls in your presence. Your presence that is here with us, God. And we listen with our hearts. Now we lean forward because we care. We we want to hear what you have to say to each one of us. God, we want to see our lives. We want to see our situations. We want to see our tomorrow with your perspective, with your lenses. So as you lean in, allow the Holy Spirit to redefine your yesterday redefine the pain of yesterday it wasn't there because you were cursed it wasn't there because you were unworthy you didn't go through that because you did something wrong it was divinely timed by God Because through that pain, through that rejection, God was timing your step so that you would run into your Egyptian boy in the field. He's leading you. He, through the storm, he had positioned you to face the right direction. So Holy Spirit, give us your perspective. And give us strength to take another step our tomorrows God give us your lenses lenses of thanksgiving that's it that's it not lenses of blame not lenses of I don't understand explain help me understand no 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 let it all go but receive the lenses of gratitude just just for 30 seconds just for 60 seconds Come on, thank Him. Even for what you have gone through, thank Him. Because through that, He has positioned you. Through that, He has positioned you towards a divine appointment, a divine destiny. Come on, thank Him. 30 more seconds. Come on, thank Him. Thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are pleased with me. That's why you have allowed me to go through what I have gone through, God. Thank you, God. You are pleased.
authority, like they have a favor for each person. What I see is God giving you a nice set of sunglasses, spiritual sunglasses. It's like, it's your gift. Don't live without it. Come and get it. And it's a new lenses of gratitude, thankfulness. And as you start to just arise in your spirit to thank him, you're going to be anointed for your next 20 years. You're going to rescue so many Egyptians, dying boys along the way. God is going to help you see the Egyptians are in the field. And God's going to use you to rescue, save, deliver, and heal. And they are going to join your army to fight the Lord's battles and to recover all for the kingdom of God. So, Father, we thank you. We receive this new gift, new lenses of favor, new lenses of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Declare this hallelujah.
messages, Lord, and thank you for Pastor Ben, Pastor Sonny, God, for delivering your word to us. Lord, I confess, God, that it's was sweet, God, in my mouth, Lord, but bitter in my stomach, God. Lord, I must confess to you, God, that it's been a difficult weekend, Lord. brought back a lot of bad memories, bad events. But Lord, you're constantly reminding us, God, how faithful you are. Lord, thank you, God. Lord, you are our defender. God, you're my defender. Lord, we're so grateful to you. Forgive us, God, for wanting encouragement from outside, Lord. There's nothing wrong with that, God. But what we really need only comes from you. Now, would you save me and would you save us from the bitterness? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I feel like I need to ask uh, you guys as a church to pray for me. It's been a hard weekend, I'm just honest. It's an anniversary, but it's been difficult personally. And I think a lot of you know, old things that I thought were dealt with and buried have come back up to the surface. And my conclusion, and I've told this to Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny, is that God needs to continue to do a work in my soul. You know, for the last two years, um, I've only been reading one book. I usually try to read quite a bit. I can only read one book, obviously, outside the Bible. And uh, I can't seem to move on from this book. And I think it's, I think it's divine. And uh, I'm reading, I've been reading R.T.'s book, Total Forgiveness, for the last two years. And just over and over again. And I get stuck and I stop and... You know, it's, 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 been a, it's been a trust, it's been a battle, you know, to be honest. And I knew coming into this weekend and, you know, all different kind of things happening. And, you know, and, and I think, PB, your messages have really hit home, right? And, but troubling at the same time. You know, there's that this sweet in my mouth, but bitter in my stomach. That's the best way I can describe it. And so please, please pray for me. And pray for my wife. Right? Pray for... A lot of leaders pray for Pastor Nate, you know, and, and uh, Monica and Pastor Ken, and you know, and, and others that have really taken the hits, you know, during this time, and you know, on our board, um, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, and uh, I'm thankful that this is a good reminder, painful reminder, but good reminder. Um, I need to confess. You confessed to me yesterday. I need to confess to you. Throughout this weekend, there were a couple times I was mad at you. <laughs> But, 
was like, why do you say that? <laughs> But it was good to my soul. So thank you, brother. Thank you for being who you are. Let's pray, Lord. Father, thank you. God, we love you so much, Lord. And God, we're so imperfect people, God. And for whatever reason you use us, it's the mystery of heaven. And we're so grateful to you, God, for being faithful, for being our defender, Lord God. We love you, Lord. We bless you. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, upon us, and give us peace. Shalom. This day forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can come get some prayer. If you need to spend some time before the Lord, you can come to the altar and you can do that. And let's just uh, uh, pray for God's blessing. Please join us tonight if you got a ticket.